When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 32 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I want to get right to this week's letter. But before we get to the letter, I want to just give you one reminder. We have a few spots left here in my Greensboro, North Carolina office for the PCOS and Food Peace class that's coming up. It's going to be starting in September and space is limited because um, I like to keep it a group kind of small just so we can get to everything. I have nine keys to promoting health with PCOS without dieting and without being chained to that crappy scale. So if you are interested, go ahead and just shoot us an email at lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com and we will get you connected and set up. And we also can give you any details that you may have. So I look forward to seeing you there. And without further ado, let's get to this week's letter. Dear Food, When I was a child, you were a consolation in a chaotic household. My best memories are of lying on my bed with a stack of books and a pillowcase full of Halloween treats, immersed, body and mind, in things that took me far away from the real world around me. My parents began scolding me at an early age for the pleasure I took in you. They embraced what passed for healthy eating in the 70s, whole wheat bread, granola instead of sugar cereal, No candy except on special occasions. Once, when we ran out of bread and there was no whole wheat bread at the corner store, my mother gave me a sandwich on Wonder Bread for lunch, and it was so delicious that when I was done, I asked for another one. Not only was she horrified and angry, but when my father arrived home for his own lunch, she reported my request to him, appalled, while I sat red-faced at the table. She asked for a second sandwich. Can you believe that? That's the last time I bring white bread into this house. I was sick with shame. Not only was I a bad person for wanting more food, but I had spoiled the white bread treat, not just for me, but for the whole family. And yet, 
I was confused. Why it was so wrong to want just this once to eat two sandwiches when the first one was so good and hadn't really filled me up? Why should I be ashamed for even asking? My father seemed offended every time he saw me with you. Would you stop eating? He would say when I sat reading and munching on grapes. Pick at the salad if you have to pick at something, he would say if I stuck my fork into the shepherd's pie after already eating one helping. You weren't the only reason I sometimes believed my father hated me, but you were a big one. My weight cycled up and down as I tried to get a hold of my feelings about you, food, the only unconditional pleasure of my life. When I lost weight, I was told by both my parents that I was so beautiful, and although they were proud of my other accomplishments, good grades, success at extracurricular activities, no trouble ever, I always felt that none of it was worth much to them if I wasn't beautiful too. The Christmas I was 14, my mother marched into my room, took a candy cane out of my hand, and told me that my bum looked big and she was putting me on a diet. I wasn't terribly surprised by this. Hadn't I known all along I was fat? Hadn't I been trying to do something about it without success? But not much came from her proclamation. The fact was, my mother was dissatisfied with her own body, but her dissatisfaction never overrode her need to eat potato chips either, and she had often comforted me with food when I was bullied or lonely. As I grew older, my father and I also developed nighttime bonding rituals around food. We would emerge from bed to make and eat tin mussels on toast or instant packaged pudding cakes. And our best times as a whole family were nights when we made real pan-popped popcorn or made homemade french fries together and ate them in front of the TV. Which was it? Was food a source of pleasure, comfort, celebration, and bonding? Or was it an indulgence I ought to be ashamed of? Why couldn't they make up their minds? As an adult, my weight has never stabilized. I have gone from slim to overweight and back again, over and over. For most of my life, I lost weight through a combination of, and I censored here just to protect the listeners, in a high-intensity emotion, like falling in love. As soon as the emotions dwindled, the weight returned quickly. I was at the highest weight of my life shortly before I got married a few years ago. I was 40. I needed to shop for a wedding dress, and I decided it was time to take things into my own hands. I went on Weight Watchers for the first time and got down to a weight I hadn't seen since junior high school. I felt amazing. Colleagues I barely knew stopped me in the hallways to ask my secret. Thin women around me treated me like a member of their club. I thought I had finally arrived at the real me. I kept the weight off for a couple years, and then... During a stressful time, it started to creep up on again, and my weight has been steadily rising since. I tried going back on Weight Watchers. I tried a whole food diet. I tried drinking green smoothies for breakfast. I tried fasting, and then one day I thought, either I'm totally broken or this is all bullshit. I'm still not sure which it is. I still can't imagine any greater pleasure, not sex, not a good laugh with friends, not being thin, than curling up on the couch with a great book and a whole bag of black pepper chips. I recently started learning about intuitive eating, health at every size, and body positivity. I've been listening to a lot of wonderful podcasts and looking at images of beautiful fat women and thinking, what's wrong with being like them? Why can't I just embrace being like that beautiful woman and be happy? And yet I look at my belly trapped inside this skirt that's getting too tight, or I make the mistake of stepping on the scale and I think, this version of me is disgusting. I need to get back to the wonderful version of me. And the truth is, 
I don't want to hide from the world at the bottom of a bag of potato chips. I hate treating myself the way my parents treated me. I really want to love myself the way they never did. I don't know how. Like them, I wish I were different. How can I leave their voices behind and become the person I really am? The person who loves you food, but who doesn't make you my only joy and refuge. Yours, the girl at the bottom of the bag. Wow, letter writer, thank you so much for your letter. And I feel like I need to take a deep breath just taking in all those words. So let's do that together. Um, I mean, what a what a tough experience for you. And certainly everything that you laid out for us is, um, it helps us to understand how confusing relating to food in a larger body in our world today can be um, just so exhausting. And unfortunately, it, it sounds like you've turned that confusion and um, inability to stay in a smaller body, you've turned that in on yourself as like something that you did wrong, which, um, you know, you mentioned the bullshit in your letter and I would say, yep, it's, it's all bullshit. Um, and so I have some, some messages I wanted to, 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 to tell you and anyone listening who can relate to your letter, which, uh, you know, your experiences are your own. And yet I have a feeling so many people can relate to it. And namely the mixed message that you received from your family of origin, you got this message that you needed to abstain from food that was pleasurable, and yet also the way that you experienced bonding. And um, I mean, it even seemed like really specific experiences where each of your parents picked you to, to bond with over food and and almost had this you didn't say it, but it almost had this layer of secrecy to it, which I feel like that's when eating behavior can get really messy is when there's layers of secrecy or and or shame with it. So that makes sense to me, you know, in reading your letter and why it feels so confusing and why you may rationalize, okay, why can't I just accept myself as I am? And why can't I just stop um experiencing this kind of intense type of relationship with food. But, you know, the the foundation you have was a very mixed message. And, the, you know, the relationship we have with food is the one that we have the longest in our whole life. You know, we come out into the world needing to eat and we die um, needing to eat. It's it's like the the one thing in life that we're always having to connect to. So it's something that I feel like is going to affect many different parts of you. And something that unfortunately was not really portrayed well was that healthy eating includes pleasure. It's a part of what I believe um, is part of our survival as a species. I appreciate when I think about like how we as humans came around, you know, there's many different ways that people think about um people coming into the picture, whether it was through evolution or creationism. And I, you know, I don't really think it, it matters, um, to a degree and as it relates to this message, but however we came about and whoever made us, I think the intention with food was that it felt good. (laughs) And 
because it felt so good, we kept doing it. And because when we felt pleasure from eating and that kind of feeling of bliss or that feeling of relief and just when you're like, ah, oh, that felt good. That almost is not maybe it's not quite euphoria, but it's it's kind of mirroring that in a way, or it's a parallel to that rather. And you know, I think that's what kept us going as a species for so long. If if food had no pleasure to it, I don't think we would eat. <laughs> and so, whoever made us or however we evolved, that's how it is occurring, and that's why we continue to survive as a species. And when we deny that. I think we're denying a huge part of our humanness. We're denying a part of our physiology. Because if we only eat food that is just fuel with no pleasure, um, we're denying some really massive needs that are being unmet. And I think that's part of what keeps you in the bottom of the potato chip bag. You know, enjoying potato chips, and I love black pepper potato chips. There's something just so exciting about the taste that they um, provide us in our mouth and along with the crunch because usually black pepper potato chips also have this really great, awesome crunch to them. You know, denying that pleasure only promotes that retreat into that pleasure with um, saturations of shame and secrecy and keeps us going deeper and deeper into it. So um, part of coming out from the bottom of that bag of potato chips for you, letter writer, I think is going to be honoring the pleasure that comes from food and working with a therapist and a dietitian on rewriting your beliefs around pleasure with food. So then when you do enjoy the potato chips, you enjoy as much as you need in your um, stomach and also in your soul and to be more okay with that. And I do feel like that's something that you'll find really helpful when you work with um, a team of people who really utilize intuitive eating and, and body positive type of therapies. Something else that comes to mind for you, letter writer, is that you know you were taught that your body was unacceptable. And you were taught that by two people that were and are very important to how you relate to the world. When we get a message from our parents that we're not acceptable for whatever reason, it is something that is going to rock our world. And, um, you know, you describe these different versions of yourself, um, the version that's thin and experiences acceptance, and then the version that's fat and feels disgusting and also told through your you were told by your parents, and then you also experience a cultural difference when you're in a fat body. And, you know, I'm going to pick on that word versions for a second, because I do feel like there's just one version of you. You know, you've experienced life in different body sizes, but you're always you. You're always the same person. And um, it's really makes sense to me that you are searching for acceptance um, by experiencing these different body sizes. And something that I know to be true is that no matter what body size we are, that um, feeling of being unacceptable or you know believing that you're unacceptable is not going to be consistent with your body size in your heart. You know, acceptance is going to be gained through other through other means. And um, it does bring to light though, you know, if you're someone listening who's 
not necessarily in the letter writer's shoes, but maybe in her parents' shoes and have um, a son or daughter who's in a larger body. Or when you watch them eat um, with gusto and you notice that they're eating um, maybe with some speed or they really enjoy food and like lots of helpings and that feels really uncomfortable to you and you notice that's starting to peck at your own experiences with food and your negative body image. This really sells the point that it's important for for us as caregivers to make sure that we take care of our own shit, you know, to make sure that we really are working on it and to not pass it on. Because it sounds like from the letter that this letter writer was the victim of projection from her parents, you know, her parents had this very confusing personal relationship with food in their body and I have the the feeling that they didn't feel acceptable and so they were just projecting that onto their to their child. And I have a um a book recommendation that I'm going to put on our food peace syllabus. If you're new to the Love Food podcast, the, the Food Peace Syllabus is a collection of books and podcasts, articles that can further help cultivate a positive relationship with food and your body. And this book is about becoming a competent eater as you're raising a family. And it's by Ellen Satter. I love Ellen Satter. If you've listened before to this podcast, you know that I adore her work. And Ellen Satter is a registered dietitian and also a counselor. And she is someone who has um, done a ton of research on the feeding relationship. And one of her books, it's called Feeding a Healthy Family. It's a book that has three different sections. Um, one section is um, preparing to learn how to cook for a family and um, the basics on the feeding relationship and raising children um, is another sec- another section. But the first section is what I really am interested for this reading this letter. And it's about how as a grown-up and a caregiver, how to become a competent eater. And I feel like that word competent with eater is really interesting. And it's a word that she uses a lot in her research and her books. And what it basically means is, you know, being able to eat according to how your body needs to be fed, eating a diverse variety of food and eating as much as your body needs. And then when you make mistakes in that, that you don't sweat it too much, that you don't judge it and shame yourself and um, restrict into a diet or experience a binge. And that also that you trust that when you eat in this way, that your body's gonna be where it needs to be. So it's not sweating too much about, is my weight too high? Um, but rather my body can take care of itself when I, when I take care of me. I feel like that is a really challenging concept in our world right now. We don't get messages that we should trust ourselves. And so for you, letter writer, you certainly... We're told that it was not okay. You could not trust your instincts when it came to food. And, you know, obviously that's why you became too large. And um, I wish I could erase that part of your experiences. And and yet um, for anyone who's in her parents' place or care, if you're a caregiver to um, a child that sounds familiar to this letter writer, you know, reading that book and looking into Ellen Satter's work, you will find can be um, a way to to stop the the kind of passing on this negative relationship with food and body image that is so prevalent and toxic in our world right now. I want to go, though, to another concern that I have for you, letter writer. Um, 
you know, there's lots of things you bring up that I feel like will be important work for you to do with a therapist. And as a dietitian, when I read your your letter, I was most concerned about the yo-yo dieting that you experienced throughout your life and that it sounds like is still pretty common for you. And, you know, I know yo-yo dieting is something that hurts our health because it, it makes our insulin levels go up. It can hurt our blood pressure, our heart. And, um, you know, I appreciate the the way that you're looking to um, become more acceptable is through fixing yourself. But the big old but with all of this is that letter writer, you're not the one that's broken. You're not broken at all. You know, what's broken is our culture and what I feel like we as a culture and a society need to do is to rewrite our truths about body and food and more about becoming competent eaters like Ellen Satter talks about. And, um, you know, again, you bring up that how you experienced being different versions of yourself. And I just can't agree with that way of wording it because like it was all you all along. There was just a different earth suit attached to it or a different sized earth suit attached to your soul. And no matter what size you were, your body was holding and, you know, the home for your soul. And so we need to honor, you know, all of those different like sizes that you experienced but your soul was always the same version. And I'm so glad that you're exploring intuitive eating. If you haven't read intuitive eating, anyone listening, it's such a great book to um, really rewire some um, false truths that we have about how we should be eating. And so I'll put that in the show notes, a link to their work. Um, Another one that I would encourage you to look into is the work by Janine Roth. And in particular, her book, Women, Food, and God, is an excellent book for what you're experiencing, letter writer. So Janine Roth is someone who um, was really um, on the scene in the emotional eating world um, in the 70s and 80s. She was one of the first people to really talk about her own compulsive eating and eating disorders. And she never was someone who was a practitioner as a dietitian or a therapist or a physician but rather someone that sort of healed herself. And the way she did it was in such a radical way. She turned to acceptance and let herself be around the food that just was so hard for her to stop eating. And she basically gave herself permission to experience pleasure from food and um, over time saw how that was healing herself. And her book, Women, Food, and God, um, it's funny that I'm bringing up spirituality and and God and twice in one podcast, and I don't think I ever have before. But um, when she references God in, th- in that book, it's not necessarily like a religion, but more um, of a spirituality or even, I would say, not even necessarily spirituality, but more of connection, wholeness. And you know, something I believe about eating disorders is that when a person's in, um, and when a person identifies experiencing an eating disorder, there's a hole in their soul. You know, there's something that they're trying to feed um, with food or eating disorder behaviors or exercise to fill that hole in their soul, but it's never going to fill it because that's not what it's about. And um, that book for um, by Janine Roth really serves to fill that hole. 
and um, helping you to find a way to feel whole again outside of food and, and body. So as you read through that book, um, I would love to know how you experience it, but also, you know, I know you yearn to embrace your current body and you, there were some uh, things that you brought up in your letter about how you feel frustrated with your inability to just accept it because you're seeing in other people um, them accepting themselves. So why can't you do that either? And um, I think it's easier to start with accepting people that aren't you. Um, and I am so thankful for fat people who are um, putting themselves out in social media and um, on TV or any other kind of ways that we can visualize because um, by doing that, they're really providing us a way to also know that that's okay and um, that acceptance is something that um, really can help us to peel off that shame that we don't need to be wearing. And whether or not you are fat positive like me, um, Something we know to be true is that shame never promotes health. Shame is not something that ever promotes healthy eating long term. It's not something that helps promote um, healthy movement. It is something that is always going to be a yo-yo experience. And in the end, it's going to lead to just a really shitty experience. So however we can remove shame, I'm all for. And and I'm also fat positive. So I do feel like... Um, Every person, no matter what their size is, no matter why their size is there, they deserve the same rights. To me, that's totally like a duh thing, but whatever that is considered radical at this point. And for you, letter writer, I know that um, experiencing positive body image in a size that may be bigger than is what conventionally told to be beautiful is going to feel radical and countercultural. So you know, I don't think it's necessarily your fault <laughs> that you try to escape by going to the bottom of a bag of potato chips. You know, I think that's um, a safety thing. And you know, it's important for you to honor anything that you do to try to keep yourself safe. And um, I also think that we as a society owe it to you in a fatter body to also let you know that we think you are acceptable and that we want to help you feel safe. So I want to let you know that I believe that. And I know there's many other people that do as well. So food has written you back, letter writer. So I'm excited to hear what food has to say. So I also want to let you know that I really appreciate your letter and to please hang in there. I do feel like working with a therapist and dietitian will be mind blowing for you and alter your course in the way that you are so desiring. Take care. Dear girl at the bottom of the bag, we have been through a lot. Ever since we can remember, you've got mixed messages about us and that your worth is wrapped around your calorie count. That bullshit has messed with our relationship. How about we start over? Let's work with some kind coaches to help us redefine our relationship. This may get messy and uncomfortable, and it will be good work. Some say the world is your oyster, and yet you feel all you get is the bottom of the potato chip bag. Rewriting our relationship will allow you to see your oysters. Love, food. 
Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your Dear Food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.